welcome back to the Branching Path Podcast. We've done it again. Two weeks later, we made another episode. How did we do it? Impossible. Watch the behind-the-scenes footage for how we pulled that off. Um, I'm your host, Kyle, <laughs> joined by my fellow host, Jonathan. How are you today, Jonathan? I am yawning. How are you? Oh, my God. Uh, John did just wake up for this podcast, so uh, say thank you, everybody, in the comments, please. Uh, I'm good, Jonathan. I'm I do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today's going to be kind of uh, just a wide-ranging discussion about Terraria, or Terraria, as people say. I, I get it. Terraria, Terrarium, I get it. For me, for whatever reason, it's always going to be Terraria. So you just This is Grandia Grandia all over It's again. Grandia Grandia, yeah. So Terraria, Terraria. Anyways, for me, it's Terraria. Anyways, Terraria, <laughs> it, it's like a, a 2D voxel game. You know, it, you know, it's kind of based on mining individual pixel blocks there's so much more to it than that but that's kind of the crux i think when i say voxel hopefully people will get the right idea um i've i've played i played it years ago when i was just uh, a teenager yet um for the first time and i kind of just kept coming back to it over the years and i, I realized playing recently again just how much i love this game despite some of my gripes um and i convinced john to come and try it again too i think it had been probably even longer since you'd last played it is that right john uh, yeah, I think so. I hadn't touched this in a long time. Quite a bit of this content was new to me. Yeah, well, even actually, I was gonna say even me, but that's not true. A lot of the quality of life things were new to me. Um, but I think I've there were no bosses that were new this time that I that weren't there last time I played. Granted, I did not get to those bosses last time, so they were still new to me. But yeah. Um. Anyways, lots of new content for us to dive into. We um we ended up coming back right before the one point four point four update. Um, Labor of Love, I think it was called. They they just keep adding stuff to this old ass game, and kudos to the devs. They just you know they're not asking any more for it. It's just oh, there's a bunch of new content for you now. So um, clearly a labor of love indeed. But yeah, we um, we played for probably two weeks or so, pretty pretty full on. This is a game. I don't know why we decided to go from Final Fantasy XI to a game like this that totally sucks me in. <laughs> not, not what I needed immediately after Final Fantasy XI, but that's okay. Um, yeah, it's a game that I find really hard to put down when I get going. Um, how Definitely. about you? Do, do you have that Moorish quality with it as well? Oh, yeah, I played quite a bit uh, right up until I didn't want to play anymore. Yeah, that's how it <laughs> typically goes with you. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, John, do you want to kind of start us off in, in your, your Terraria thoughts? And I'll start just you know chiming in when I have something to say. Sure. Uh, I just want to add, though, that Labor of Love, it was a really good place to come back or to, to start the game with um, because it added equipment sets, which was awesome. It was yeah, very was easy to, to switch between builds you were experimenting with. Um, and it also overhauled melee combat a bit, which is a build I ended up going with. So it was a really good spot to enter the game with. Yeah. Um, okay, so I hadn't played this in years, and I never finished when I did play, so updates aside, tons of this content was going to be new to me. Um, I don't know when the golem was added, but I never fought the golem. Oh, I okay. never fought uh, Duke Fishron. Did you try Duke Fishron this time around? Yep, I beat him. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. We'll have to talk about that. I actually haven't even fought him yet, because he looks hard, and I don't know if I have the energy. <laughs> yeah, I just fought him once. I did find him a little annoying, uh, and we'll get into movement in Terraria in a bit. But um, yeah, he, he was new to me. Uh, solar eclipses were new to me. Um, I don't think when I played extreme mode was even a thing yet. No, I don't think that would have been last time you played. Um, so I, I had a good time with it. I enjoyed most of the game. And I played Extreme, which is probably why it was most of the game and not all of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Extreme comes with a few unique boss drops that uh, were, were really cool, and I couldn't resist. So I decided to play Extreme, and it probably, by the end, is responsible for why I'm not playing anymore. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get into that right away. Um, so in Extreme... Defense actually blocks more damage. It, it it matters more. It's it's uh it's weighted more heavily in the formula for how much damage you take. Oh, I actually didn't I, I know that. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, I decided to play as tanky as possible. So I went with um when when I finished the game, I had full turtle armor, 
or rather when I finished playing because I didn't beat the game, but full turtle armor, the vampire knives weapon, which means when I hit an enemy, I restore health. Um, all of my accessories had the warding bonus on it, meaning plus four defense across six accessory slots. Uh, and it was still possible to die in seconds because of the crazy incoming damage. So I was able to heal on hit. I had a constant 32% incoming damage reduction before potion buffs. Uh, I could reflect damage. Um, I had over 100 defense, which is quite a bit. Kyle, I think by the end of, of your time, you were maybe sitting around 40. Yeah, 40, 50 if you're not doing like a tank build. So like half half that value basically. Yeah, and I, I didn't feel much more survivable than you. Yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely instances where you were. But all of those instances were pre or up to Golem. I, I think uh, we'll talk a bit about this, but I think Terraria's end game is just pretty bad um, and not super fun. And I, I think I honestly think up to Golem, I, I find it fairly decently balanced. Like if you put in the time, you know, you can get the Chlorophyte bars pre Plantera, so you can get Turtle Armor before you fight Plantera, right. and you can survive like five or six hits, maybe even more with the Turtle Armor and potions and stuff, right? Um, uh, when you bring vampire knives into the equation well yeah then you literally just face tanked it and didn't move <laughs> for, for both plantera and the golem i could literally park on top of the boss meaning i was taking constant hits but i could out heal their damage was that with that accessory that increased the refractory time <laughs> refractory period Here we are. <laughs> we're, we're back baby the, <laughs> the the time between hits like your invulnerability was doubled with the cross necklace uh, or whatever yeah, I was using that. Okay, okay. Um, even even but, so, still incredible. And that that was a huge help. But yeah, I could I could straight up face tank these things. Yeah. But I'm gonna get into that in a bit too. Um, okay. So, I, also I had I had a weapon that allowed me to block. So uh, when I was blocking, um, for, for you don't take any damage if you if you properly time that block. And when I do that, I get a massive damage increase on my next hit. So I oh. would time that whenever I could. Yeah. But even if you fail to time that, if you hold in the block button, um, you get 20 more defense while you're doing it. So I was regularly sitting at 120 to 130 defense. Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't really matter. <laughs> when, when did it yeah, when did it totally when did you feel like it stopped mattering altogether? Uh, I want to say for the regular min, the regular mobs, um, in the jungle mostly and mm. the regular mobs surrounding the pillars after the cultist yeah, yeah. okay so even um, even jungle mobs that like you felt hit just way too hard yeah because i i could sit there and tank plantera while getting hit by a turtle it was like a death sentence yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> now to it, be clear these are big turtles <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and they were in style they're wearing the armor I skin their bodies for. So. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the balance there just felt off. You yep. know, this big threatening boss should be more challenging than this dinky minion. But sure, sure. that's not how it felt, especially when it came to the pillars. Um, yeah. I'm going to get into that in a second. But So, uh, yeah, I could face tank Plantera and Golem. Uh, Duke Fishron was a joke. He moved around a lot but I could still tank most of his hits. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. The cultist was really easy. Yeah, uh, I and I, I, I was just healing through all this damage. But the cultist annoyed me because uh, this awesome screen-filling magic that it's doing looks insanely cool, but it was super easy to survive. Meanwhile, the pillar enemies that spawn after the cultist, so I'll go into this for a little bit, but... Um, after the golem let's 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 a, back up a bit why don't we why don't we take them quickly through like the progression of terraria that's what i'm about to do yeah okay like from um, start of the game to end of the game oh you want to go that far okay yeah, like, yeah, wanna, just, just a quick overview of like how terraria's kind of progression works and maybe we can critique that a little bit and then we'll talk about some of those specific instances. Yeah, let's do it. so when you start yeah when you when you spawn into terraria in, in a new world that world is kind of in normal mode uh, regardless of what difficulty you've you've selected, um, the world is just you know it's considered pre-hard mode. Basically, there's a point where you beat a boss and it, it moves the world progression. So you you start out by you know with, with nothing basically except for a really shitty sword and a pickaxe and an axe and a hammer, and you can you know fuck with the world, build shit, uh, and and your goal is to go out and find the three first bosses. That's the Eye of Cthulhu, um, 
which you can get a summoning item for, the Eater of Worlds, which is a worm guy, um, and the uh, Skeletron, which is like the dungeon boss. Every world spawns with a dungeon on either end of the world. When you beat those three, that unlocks the ability to fight um, Wall of Flesh, right? I think from that point on, you can just go to the bottom of your world and fight him there, correct? I think so. I think yeah. right after those three, he's available. Yeah, there's a couple of optional ones, like the Slime King and stuff, and uh, the, the Queen Bee. Um, I actually think Queen Bee remains one of my favorites because I think the mechanics of that fight are pretty satisfying, and especially if you have the Shield of Cthulhu and you can do that kind of dash block move, it makes that sequence pretty fun. That um, was fun. But anyway, so so when you do that, once you've done that, you've accrued weapons and armor and stuff, and you've got better ore and, and all that stuff. So, so that's kind of the progression, right? You're building your character up to take on these bosses before you go down to hell, which is at the bottom of the world. Um, and you sacrifice an NPC who's called your guide by throwing a voodoo doll of him into the lava, which is great, and it actually kills him. Um, and then the wall of flesh is summoned, and then basically that's a cool... Like, this giant wall of, of enemy is coming at you from one side, and you have to run away while you're taking pot shots. And, you know, when you kill it, you move the world into hard mode now, um, for better or worse. So, basically, when that's done, the enemies in the world change. <clears throat> they get stronger. Uh, you have access now to new ores, um, new bosses, and then this is what's going to get you to endgame eventually. Uh, so the, the balance of the game really significantly changes as soon as you progress your world into hard mode. Would you agree right. with that? Like it kind of goes from zero to a fucking hundred? <laughs> yeah, the the curve's kind of all over the place. Because um, when you begin a new game on Extreme, we were both playing Extreme, you are incredibly squishy. Um, before you take on any of those initial three bosses, let alone the Wall of Flesh, you have to prepare a lot. There is a lot of fun in that. Um, yep. And you're, you're lucky to have like 15 defense in the beginning <laughs> before you start unlocking the ability to get those defense accessory bonuses or get some good gear. Um, so playing a tank early on, like that, that wasn't possible. You have to, you kind of have to grow into that and like get a lot of gear to even try it. Yeah, um, it's really, it's not until hard mode that you're going to really be able to build out that kit, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and then those initial three bosses are the first bosses you face also in hard mode, just in different forms. Yeah, so it's, it's still the eye, except for it's called the Twins, Skeletron, Prime, which is like a big mechanical version, and then the, the worm becomes a big mechanical worm. So, so those are your yep. next three kind of hurdles to overcome. They were really, they were tough when we did them in Extreme. Like, I found the Twins really quite difficult with the three of us playing. We played with uh, another buddy of ours, but... But eventually, again, they you can kind of trivialize them, which is satisfying, right? It's nice to be able to come back and just say, fuck you, I'm way stronger now. Um, but when you fight them with the equipment at the time, it's it's definitely tough fights. Um, when you beat them, then you have access to Plantera, which is this cool jungle boss. Um, after Plantera, you have access to the Lizard Temple, which is where you fight Golem. Yep. After Golem... Uh, you can fight the lunatic cultist who is at the dungeon and after the cultist that's when you beat the cultist that spawns these four pillars around your world which have a bunch of these ridiculously strong enemies john was talking about when you beat the four pillars you summon the moon lord you beat the moon lord that's technically the game um so john let's go back to the pillars you were talking about the fucking pillars yeah the the pillars annoyed me because the cultist was an incredibly cool well-presented boss but compared to regular enemies surrounding the pillars the cultist was a joke yeah um my my defense seemed to matter there i could consistently heal through his magic uh, i would occasionally have to use a potion and i would still move to avoid these spells that felt it felt like my survivability focus actually mattered there and yeah. made for a relatively safe, if slow, fight, which is exactly what I was going for. That felt that felt good. Yeah. Um, but then the pillars spawn, and I die in literal seconds to the horde of regular dudes who are hitting me for more damage than the boss. <laughs> yep, yep. The, the, the balance there, I find, really just falls off a fucking cliff because the, the pillar enemies just do way too much damage and there's a shit ton of them right they're, they're they swarm you and the the four pillars have different enemies i'd say two of them are, are really quite bad and then the other two are okay 
Um, yeah, it's it's like a wave defense thing. You have to survive that horde until the pillar. The pillar is like a mini boss who does nothing. It just sits there with a shield up, and you have to kill enemies uh, around it until the shield drops. Then you have to kill the pillar. Yeah, and, and it's not like, yeah, it itself is not that interesting of a task. Like, no, and, you know and I mean? like, only you you also have to repeat it if you fail to beat the moon lord. Yeah, exactly. So it's something you're gonna end up doing a lot. Um, now, one thing I, I so thing I like about the pillars, one so it's it's a hundred enemies you have to kill to get the shield down. That used to be more apparently. That was changed in one point four point four. So lucky us. Oh well. Yeah, um, and also when you've beaten the Moon Lord once, it goes down to fifty. Um, okay. Which is also nice. The other thing that's great is whatever your progress. If you die, it remains. Thank fucking God. So if you killed, oh yeah. You have to you have to kill a hundred enemies to get the shield down, and then eventually fifty. Um, if you kill, I don't think I could have done that. If no, I don't think it. I would have. Like so, so if you kill thirty and then you get murked by the two hundred damage enemy, when you come back, you still have that progress accrued. So you only have to kill seventy more enemies. And then even even with the pillar, when its shield comes down, if you only get it halfway down, that damage remains. Thank God. So so it's very doable. You, you can just grind it out. Like you don't even really have to be super skilled about it. If you're kind of frustrated and just want to go ham fistedly throw your face at it and you know die a couple times, you can. Which was good right. because I was getting frustrated at this point um Same. but yeah the, the the damage of those enemies is just crazy like even on so so i did this on classic mode i actually progressed the, the world all the way to the moon lord with the buddy okay and like we did an hour and a half we got to the last boss <laughs> which was pretty cool from nothing oh, wow. like from a brand new world um but even there like the damage was nuts i was taking i think 100 damage per hit from these guys with end game armor like i don't know it just it seemed kind of crazy on classic mode not even extreme Jeez. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have expected that in Classic. Well, the, and, and this goes to a point I wanted to make, which is that I've always found Terraria a fairly difficult, challenging game. So I don't know that I really needed to make it harder for myself with Extreme Mode. I'm not really sure why I decided that was for sure what I was going to do. Like, the, the drops from the bosses, I think they each only have one extra drop, right? There's only one more unique drop in Extreme Mode. And it's often... Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it, well, that's where I think we, that's why we got the accessory like Shield of Cthulhu. I don't think that drops in Classic. Yeah, yeah. So Shield of Cthulhu, I think, is still the best one because I think basically every other boss item seems to be one of those like does extra like you know like the slime one that cr creates little slimes that bounce around or the Plantera one that creates little spores like it, just those extra damaging ones. Yeah, Plantera's was amazing. Yeah, I the, use that all the time. The issue I find though is that depending on your build, you're so locked in with accessory choice, anyways, that it's really hard to actually fit those into a build. Or it was for me for magic or for summoning. I have too many slots taken up by increasing my you know minions or something. So that's in that's interesting because going with a melee build, uh, I used the vanity slots for accessories to hold extra accessories so I could quickly swap them out. And I ended up doing that a lot. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I kind of had like 10 accessories I would regularly swap between based on what I needed. Would you do mid-battle swapping though? Or was that just like... Oh yeah, mid-battle. Oh yeah, oh cool. Um, if, I, if I could survive long enough to like decide I needed it. Sure. <laughs> that didn't happen too yeah, often. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this game doesn't, doesn't really lend itself to that. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... Anyways, I, I don't. I wish we played on classic. I really do. I really, really think that I would have just had more fun in the end because there was a lot of frustration throughout this playing on extreme mode. Um, I do kind of wonder how much of a difference it would have made because on classic defense would have mattered less. I, I wondered if it. I wonder if I would have felt the same in the end. I, I wondered. So the interesting part there is that we're going to get into this, but I think that Terraria prioritizes movement a lot more than stats anyways right so yeah i think because the damage you're doing would have been more and their health pool was less and the fights are over faster you inevitably would have taken fewer hits and maybe even felt more survivable just because of that I, anyways um, it's possible yeah so yeah extreme is not honestly what i'd recommend especially if you're playing this for the first time i just play in classic mode it's a hard enough game as it is you'll find plenty of challenge i think you'll die lots Right. Uh, especially with the pillars and and the moon lord, um, yeah. So I wish we hadn't played an extreme. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, do you want to get into the kind of Terraria's seeming like guiding star for what difficulty comes down to? Or what um, matters, I, just, I should say. And you you mean in terms of the meta we were talking about? Yeah. Um, one one second. I just want to 
spell out that my build was the goal was to survive as much as possible the right. entire thing was built around defense damage reduction uh, so remember i had a 32 percent constant reduction um and i also i could get that up to 42 percent through a potion if not higher i forget what all the, all the buffs i had available yeah but so even at the expense of damage and slower kills my goal was just to live um and the place but the playstyle did not feel viable most of the time in expert and that that eventually is what killed my interest in finishing the game yeah sure um and the reason for that is what kyle just mentioned it's it seems like you're meant to move to avoid damage as much as much as possible but personally i found this clunky yeah well so i, I think that there's not anything inherently wrong with that decision but what no. i think hampers the game is that too often a boss is just a crazy bullet hell and I feel yes. like I have no fucking clue what's going on. And that is made... Like, the Moon Lord is a hilarious fight for this because he feels so fucking busy. And I just don't enjoy it. Like, there's too much to keep track of. I'm getting hit by stuff I'm not even seeing. And yeah. when the damage numbers are through the roof, that's really frustrating, right? Um, it, but, yeah, because it doesn't feel like you have a lot of like time to learn the fight during yeah, the fight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where, where I actually found the cultist was one of my favorites because I totally felt like I did have time to learn the fight. He had mm -hmm, a, yeah, a, his, sorry, he had a pattern that was consistent. Um, right. The moves like were telegraphed, and you know what I mean. Like it was easy, not easy, but you could learn. Like it was like a good Souls boss, right? You could. Yeah, he was visually interesting, yeah. and the the balance there was enough that. Yeah, you had to move to survive, but it was when you did get punished, it wasn't like an instant death sentence. <laughs> exactly. I, I that fight was really good for me, especially because I, I came at it first with my minion build. Minion builds just let you summon a bunch of little dudes who will like kind of fight for you. Um, and I ended up I was using a whip with that. So whenever he'd do that summoning attack where you're supposed to hit the true cultist, I kept hitting the non-true cultist, and then it would make that kind of phase of the fight harder. He'd summon the dragon. And then, yeah. so I think I died the first two times, and then I was like, oh, you know, I'll try this on a mage, and I'll, I'll be a bit more, you know, particular with my, with my aiming and stuff, so I got the little heat ray gun magic spell, and it ended up being this awesome little fight where I had to, whenever he'd do that move, I had to quickly find the right one and, you know, peg him with that spell. It, it just felt really good. So, Sweet. I was like, why the fuck aren't all the bosses like this? Like, this, this could be so much better than it is if they just internalize that this is what makes a good boss fight. Not the crazy screen full of bullshit going on. See, that's really interesting because you probably outdamaged me there and ended the fight quicker. And the the advantage of my build, or the the reason I went for it, is I didn't have to, I didn't care who the real cultist was. I, I went through whatever damage he ended up tossing out. Right. And I was able to do it because I more than double your defense, and I I built for that. Right. Yeah. Plus the heal. So it felt like big. yeah. Yeah, it felt like everything was kind of viable there because it was balanced well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he's... Um, I want to come back to the movement meta for a sec. Sure, sure, sure. Because the, what what kind of I think I can boil my thoughts down to with that is you need accessories to access even a basic dash ability. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, movement is fairly slow. Um, you, you'll be able to... You'll have a lot of time in the air through accessories like pairs of wings and rocket boots and stuff. But with the speed that enemy attacks can move and your limited accessory slots and how important accessories are, there are maybe two that offer some kind of movement enhancing uh, ability in terms of like a quick reaction to something coming in, like incoming damage. Yep. That's the Shield of Cthulhu and I forget the name, but the some Master kind of ninja, ninja gear. Yep. Master Ninja gear, that's right. Um, neither uh, the, the shield of Cthulhu lets you kind of body check yourself into damage and you'll block that damage. That's very difficult to time. And obviously the damage has to be coming in from an angle that you'd be able to block it with the direction you're moving. The master ninja gear, uh, adds a 10% chance to just straight up avoid damage, but it's not, it doesn't feel like a skill based thing. It's, it's RNG. Um, and you get the movement enhancement, but you can't like use it to properly react to something like for as much as for as important as movement is here in avoiding damage. I feel like this should have been a basic ability you had. Yeah. I also, I just want to comment on that um, RNG thing. I, I think I get your point. I, I feel like, cause I had the master ninja gear on all the time. Like I, without a dash, I find that this would be impossible end game. Right. But the, 
the dash is really hard to implement in a reactionary sense to avoid damage. I find it's much better as a way of like setting yourself up to avoid damage, if that makes sense. Like positioning yourself in a way that you're not going to take the damage in the first place. But you're right, it's really hard to actually execute that dash in a way that's going to react to a new incoming move that's going quicker than you you can avoid otherwise. Just well, that dash works great against a boss, but yeah. when you have a pillar situation where it becomes a bullet hell. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you can't, I, I couldn't really use it that way. So, because no, you're going to uh, dash into some other projectile somewhere, it's going to fucking tag you and you'll be dead. Or an enemy is going to spawn behind you in yeah. the direction you're dashing to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so what I'm, what I'm getting at here is I would have preferred that you always have a dash and that dash essentially functions as a dodge roll. Yeah, that this that would make this game so different and definitely better. <laughs> and and what you use the shield or the ninja gear or whatever other dash enhancing accessory for is to change the properties of that dash. Yep. So the ninja gear could be you do that smoke vanish thing or whatever, and you get the increased distance. The Shield sure. of Cthulhu might shorten your dash distance, but during that time you get block frames or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. But the, the point is, is you actually get some reactionary tool. Um, it, it would have felt so much better to be able to react to, to what's coming in that way. Because this feels right now kind of like an R-type or one of those, like, classic space shooters yeah you know, you're, but you're, with worse movement <laughs> exactly you're you it doesn't feel nearly as responsive but you're still it seems like you're expected to dodge and weave your way through bullet hell anyway yeah yeah <laughs> and it, it didn't feel good uh, in that pillar section that's where that kind of solidified for me but um yeah so yeah enemy waves become like this bullet hell of nonsense in the pillar section or depending on how many things are on screen that have projectiles and you overcome that with your own wave of nonsense. <laughs> so the, the answer is often just more ridiculous firepower of some kind. Yeah, basically. Um, I think that's why a lot of the, the best melee weapons aren't melee weapons. They're ranged weapons that deal melee damage. Yeah. Um, you have insane high-speed boomerangs. You have the vampire knives, which throw out little knives in a fan shape that heal on a hit and their range is over half the screen. You know, it, it's melee damage, but if you were only swinging a melee weapon uh, in the middle of this, you'd never survive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not really viable if you literally had to hit with a blade every time. Yeah, and su summon minions, for example, they regularly attack things that are off screen because killing something before it even shows up and can get near you is like, the best form of defense but it's yep. just something i did not enjoy yeah i get you um but yeah the, the main takeaway there for me was that I, I if that dash was a basic ability and it functioned like a dodge i think that would have been great yeah that would be an incredible change in my opinion too because i think terraria still has tons of potential um like i, I think they could just keep adding to this game forever honestly and mm -hmm. I, I still kind of want to come back and play it but uh, not with like the current end game and not with the current meta because I find the movement meta just too frustrating and, and like we've just said it, I don't know, it just doesn't feel that great like the the way they expect you to move, or rather you know it seems like they expect that if you have the ability to do that dash and stuff you're gonna get around stuff but it just doesn't work if there's too much on screen it, it doesn't work out that way um, just clunky feels super clunky but again they have bosses where it doesn't feel that way I I think Queen Bee's a good example I think Lunatic Cult Cultist is a good example as well. Um, right yeah anyways I, I wish if I, if at least they were this was what they were going to stick with they designed their bosses to account for it but the bullet hell nature of it is something i'm just getting really really fucking sick of <laughs> yeah and we we and we both made it up to the moon lord and tried the moon lord like any other boss had we stuck with it we could have beat this thing i don't know if you did on your on your classic world but um i i didn't find the the meta fun enough to stick with for that yeah it just, at, at that point it just became such a hassle that i decided to stop but. yeah i i so i did end up beating moolard on classic but with a friend um and i died okay. three times and he stayed alive and finished it so i was like that sucked that was awful uh let's do oh, it again man. so i can get everything i need for that end game armor set for minions and then i'll consider taking on the empress of light for the best summon anyways did you fight the empress out of curiosity uh, no i didn't bother okay um it sounds because because so if you fight her in the nighttime, it sounds like it's it's a hard fight, but you know doable. 
if you fight her in the daytime, she's a one hit kill boss, which is gross. I hate that. But yeah, but it sounds like she's also one of the better designed fights too, where she has a pattern that is reactable too. Um, so it's it's like you learn it and it it's kind of fun and it's more for, of for the for the build I was going for. I'm I'm already turned off because it my build doesn't matter there. She's yeah, the one I well, kill. You, you end up <laughs> just just respecting to do, maximize damage and everything else wouldn't matter. Yeah, and when I read about her design to get Terra Prisma, that best considered, I think the best minion yeah. weapon, yeah. Um, and how it completely invalidated my playstyle, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna fight her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. I get it. The frustrating. I think one hit kill bosses is just a bad. It's a bad call. Why? Why is that your design choice? I don't understand people sometimes, but. Right. Yeah. Um. So this is. I think Terraria is a great game. It's a good lesson in how important balancing is and that if you are making an rpg your numbers matter so fucking much so fucking much and also another kind of to bring back an older point that we've made a number of times difficulty settings just suck like choosing choosing a difficulty setting is frustrating because you end up i still feel that way yeah you, you end up feeling like you're kind of having to balance the game for yourself um but there's like an inherent feeling of incompleteness or like i don't know how what word to use here but as soon as i'm asked to make that choice i feel like i'm making the wrong choice no matter what i choose you know what i mean or whatever one i pick i'm missing out on something somewhere else or like i picked expert in this case and i know for a fact that that was a mistake for me in the long run because it, it ended up taking away a lot of my enjoyment but that's where you know all of our progress is. That's where our world is. That's where all of our equipment and items are. And just you know, switching it to classic mode in this case doesn't just mean turning a slider down. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there are exclusive rewards locked behind it. We were able to progress to the final boss from scratch, start to finish, on an expert world. So I think it's perfectly fair to judge the game on that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's not so difficult that you have to have classic world progress to even try it. it. It's difficult, but the curve is just all over the place. If that had a little more care applied to it, I think it could have been balanced out and feel a lot better. Yeah, I think so too. I, I actually think Terraria would also benefit from kind of a clearer progression. Um, like there's a lot of these events you can do, like a pirate invasion, an alien invasion. Did you do that one at all, out of curiosity? Uh, oh, the alien. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, there's like a, a Halloween event. There's a frost moon, like Christmas event. Anyways, lots of these things that have a bunch of cool items and rewards from them. Um, but it's not really clear at all kind of when you're supposed to be initiating each of these events. So sometimes, you know, you'll have access to them fairly early on. You'll start it and you get your shit kicked in and you're like, oh, fuck, I guess I'm not supposed to do that now. And it just kind of feels bad. Especially because those events last from, you know, usually like sundown to sun up or something, which will mean like, you know, half an hour, maybe not quite half an hour, but 10, 20 minutes of just getting your shit kicked in and you just have to sit there and wait for it to be over if you <laughs> summoned it too early. So I think that yeah. a little bit more direction in kind of what to do when would also help the game. But Yeah, agreed. And the way some of those events work is they they're based on like the world origin which is your initial spawn point and for me that's where i built my uh my little settlement for all my npcs yeah so if i wanted to go home and like deposit items or or rework my build a little bit um and something like the pirate event was going on well all my npcs would die and i'd probably die like 20 times just trying to get through my chests (laughs) yeah that's actually a really frustrating part about terraria and and i'm sure yeah we could have built it differently to avoid this but if we were doing an event of some kind like an invasion of some kind and i wanted to like if i died as the summoner minion build i wanted to get those buffs even just from the, the tables in the house that was basically a suicide run like i'd almost never be able to do that and then also get out of there alive and again we could have built differently to make that easier but it was just well this leads me this leads me to my next two points for dislikes and then that's kind of the end of my dislike notes but um 
one, you'd have to know that that's how these events function. Yeah. And the building is too tedious, in my opinion, to once you realize that if you've got 15 NPCs, you'd have to fucking move them all. Yeah. And build new houses and stuff. And I, I don't think the building is fun enough to justify that. <laughs> I, I see. I disagree here. I do like the building. Um, I'm not always in the mood for it, mind you. And Terraria really focuses the combat and the gear more than it does the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can see it kind of not engendering appreciation for that mechanic at all because it's kind of just like you can you can really build utilitarian style and then just forget about it completely. Pretty much what I did. Yeah, but anyways continue um yeah well so i mean this is a personal note i found i found the building tedious as hell the the small tile size means that even on a small world any large-scale project like um i guess i have to go into spreading biomes for a second (laughs) um there are biomes a biome is just like a type of environment like a jungle or the ice biome etc um there are several biomes that can spread so they'll corrupt other blocks near them and slowly it could take over your whole world if you let them um and that's um i believe the crimson and the corruption biomes i think they only spread when you get when you enter hard mode i think i Um, think that's right yeah so i decided that i would wall these off because you can create a section where um those biomes can't spread through it took hours to prepare because they already occupy large chunks of even the smallest size world and i decided you know what? i'm having a good time uh building is not my favorite thing i want to try this though so i i walled it off i created this cool looking walkway um that would completely isolate the the crimson is what my world had from the rest of the world there were two sections of it one on each side of the world i walled them both off before entering hard mode but when you enter hard mode, there's uh, what's called an altar in there. They're scattered around the world, and when you break them, they're responsible for spawning in new hard mode materials you can collect. The other thing they do is they randomly add uh, crimson or corruption randomly to random parts of your world. So my it undid hours of hard work. So I would have had to crawl through inaccessible areas and make pathways and and use expensive uh block converting or block cleaning materials or whatever to like uncrimson everything outside of the area i walled off <laughs> yeah yeah for sure that was a, a doomed project from the start but i thought that you knew that i thought that you knew going in that when you broke the altars the corruption spread because i know we talked about that uh we did i i thought i could account for it i okay. thought it would wall off and then i thought i would go like clean this up right away um it, it, it didn't work out the way I planned. Okay, I see. Um, and I just and it just made, it led me to really dislike the altar thing in general. Yeah. Um, or the fact that you can't really prepare for it, even when you spend that kind of time. And and I mean, walling off was successful. It would not spread outside of the altar system. Right. So I you know I couldn't help but feel that the altar system was just really dumb and and like invalidated the the building idea after the fact. Because it worked right up until you break the altar and it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, and then and then it spawns that corrupting block in some inaccessible place you've never been to. So until it spreads and becomes a problem, you, you you're not going to be aware of it. Yeah, there's no way to really to really know until it's more of a pain at that point to clean up with a contaminator or something. Yeah, or just simply the, other, it all. <laughs> the other point with building is I think things that go through blocks are dumb. Even when it's the player's weapon right, or whatever, right? You know, it, it, it's a building game. I feel like building is or buildings are your first line of defense. You build a home base for your NPCs. You build boss arenas, etc. And enemies that just ignore that completely felt lame to me. Yeah, I know what you mean. Actually, that's that's a good point, John. It, it would really change uh, the player's relationship to building if they were more consistent in their like yeah, defensive and, capabilities. And, Bosses largely are not forced to abide by the arena you built for them. They yeah. just ignore it. Yeah, it's only for you. <laughs> it's only for you to further enhance your movement for that movement meta. Yeah, yeah. Anytime, yeah. So, so I'd say another part of the meta of this game is because you need to maximize movement. That often means building an arena of sorts that gives you little walkways and stuff, so you can you know land between moments of flight and stuff like that. Um, yep. So I spent probably two or three hours building this big like coliseum, and granted, I didn't need to make it 
fully walled in with stone, but I decided I was, you know, brain worms, brain worms, <laughs> common theme of the show. Um, but, but yeah, it really was just to, to give me lots of room to move around and also have a couple of permanent buffs applied in there as well. Um, True. Yeah, but but like you said, it's not actually as a defensive option. It's just a movement enhancer, which is a shame. I think I think actually it'd be really cool if Terraria had more like defensive tiles that you could place down, like you know, cannons or something or little. I mean, you do you do ha- you can buy a cannon and cannonballs from the pirate. You can go get the lizard trap blocks like the spears and spikes from the dungeon or whatever you want to do you could make lava pits you could do all of that but none of that will really matter much for a boss yeah yeah true enough um and the the curve again for damage and whatnot um it's those traps and the movement you're going to be employing to take on a boss or whatever or stay alive long enough to do so most of the damage is going to come from you yeah, you know, like how much would you get to use that, especially on expert? Yeah, um, they they probably you might I guess they probably would work decently for the some of the invasion type things like the for pirate, those events. Yeah, yeah, the pirate one probably be a good one, but but then they they have their boss things show up that kind of invalidate them too, right? Like the pumpkin will just fly around and yes. fuck the shit up. Um, the more, pirate ships. Yeah, morning wood will just go through everything. The alien invasion has the the spaceships, which are fucking gross. Anyways, oh jeez, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at, at, by the end of it, I felt like personally, I would like it if uh, for both you, the player, and for the enemies going through blocks wasn't a thing. Like just eliminate that cheese altogether. Yeah. Um, and uh, despite the tedium of building, there were moments I did enjoy it. And if the game, I think, relied on that more uh, or through the altars didn't invalidate your work i I think i I could have enjoyed that more than i I did by the end right um but the way the game interacts with stuff you make um i by the end of it i was like yeah what a waste of time yeah in all honesty (laughs) i think the like the joy of building often just comes from enjoying like the aesthetics of it right so so if that's not something that you're really in the mood for which which i to be honest never really was this time around last couple of times i played i you know i remember spending like days on this big building project that was entirely just because it would look cool i remember at one point we made a, a rainbow bridge with rainbow bricks and then put a bunch of cloud around it and then some raining cloud so it was like raining on and it was, it was very cool but it was entirely just because i wanted it to look neat right um but and then this time i didn't really have that same drive so yeah it, it's not super well, it, it is important in the game, but but not for the ways you might want. So if you're building in Terraria because you have to, it's usually just to make a home for a new NPC to spawn in, or you're making an arena, which basically means you're clearing out a big, large square of empty space and putting some platforms down to take on yeah, a boss. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. <laughs> Anything else on your on your um, gripes list, John? That's it for that. You want to get into what we liked? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll just kind of do... Well, do you have any particular things you want to bring up, actually, before I just go off the cuff? Yeah, I'll just go over my points here, and then we'll, we'll switch to you. Um, so, despite my complaints, there was a, a satisfying loop to surviving expert mode, like making potions, making arenas, getting new gear, earning money to reroll accessories for those defense bonuses. It was very easy to get sucked in for hours. Um, and when it was at its best, I was having a great time. Um, the update also added those equipment sets and reworked melee combat like we mentioned at the top of the show that was awesome um, the equipment sets and being able to jump between my uh, I had a second defensive build that was also extremely tanky but relied on getting damage through summoned uh, um, not minions uh, what are they called sentries sentries yeah yeah it's a, it's a minion essentially but it sticks to one place and just shoots enemies at range and I, I could summon six of them and it's how i beat the pillars in the first place it was it was pretty cool um preparing for fights by making potions and arenas and um i mean that was that was really fun held back only by how tedious it was to do repeatedly but yeah yeah still pretty fun yeah. <laughs> um there was tons of cool gear to try out multiplayer was pretty seamless and we were able to connect and play really easily um uh tanking hits when it was viable felt awesome it felt awesome to crush bosses um (laughs) when it undermined them entirely even i I didn't care that was not what i was going for 
I wanted longer, safer fights. I didn't want to ignore them entirely yeah, like yeah. I did with Plantera by the end. Or uh, I was so defensive when I started fighting Golem that I didn't engage with his mechanics at all. I just sat there and killed him. <laughs> so I didn't care for that. But ultimately, uh, being able to go through whatever they were throwing at me, um, even if it was a slow fight, that is what I was going for, and it was very cool. Right. Um, so that's kind of it for my likes. What do you got? Um yeah, I just I, I think Terraria is a really easy world to inhabit. It's it's there's a, just a lot of good honest exploration in this game too. It's fun finding chests out in the world that have unique accessories, and the only way to get them is by finding that chest. So, um, yeah, lots of fun to be had just in in digging around your world, finding new ores, which means new armor, which means new weapons, and and that kind of thing. Um, a lot of the weapons are fucking awesome, and they get ridiculous. And I like how over the top they get by the end of the game. Like, our, our buddy, when we beat the Moon Lord, he drops this sword that shoots little rainbow cats, basically. Uh, <laughs> and they bounce around and linger and do insane damage. And it's it's awesome. <laughs> he he <laughs> basically flew above a pillar and just shot them straight down so that they'd all bounce up and down. And that thing, like, disintegrated. And, and that kind of ridiculous, over-the-top damage stuff was, was really cool. Um, and just lots of really goofy creative items in this game i normally take my games too seriously but terraria is one where i don't mind some of the like the the goofy shit um yeah uh feels good to progress lots of cool little armor sets tons of vanity items to make your guy look how you want mm. yeah it was uh, the die system was cool yeah lots of dyes to change the color yeah just just tons of care and attention that went into the making of this game for sure so i still i highly recommend it if you've not played it before and you kind of like that the idea of a you know game that has the option to be quite creative if you want with a bunch of pretty heavy exploration and combat focus there's lots of fun to be had here i do think though that it kind of misses the mark especially after golem basically well i guess after lunatic cultist because he's a fine fight too Right. Um, but the end game, just the pillars and the Moon Lord, ich, <laughs> is all I have to say. Um, ich, interestingly, yeah. have you ever heard of the YouTube channel Chippy Gaming? He does like basically Terraria exclusively. Uh, no, I haven't. He has an item in the game actually called Chippy's Couch. I think it drops from Skeletron occasionally. Um, hmm. So he's obviously a huge Terraria fan, and I was watching him do. Uh, there's a new like world seed for the 1.4.4 update, which is basically legendary mode. So even beyond. The level above expert which we didn't even play and found it plenty hard and oh, he was doing a series on like can i beat legendary mode is it even possible and in that in that video i watched yesterday he said like you know i'll be honest you know i love terraria but i've never liked terraria's end game i've actually hated it <laughs> which was <laughs> like for, for him to say that like he's he's the big terraria guy right um uh, yeah he, okay. he has dms with the creator of the game um jeez three digit or red digit whatever he calls himself so, I think it's Relogic. No, that's the company. Oh, that the guy is Redigit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I think it was like a single guy that kind of helmed this project. Anyways, he's oh, well. Alex Spink or something. That's not right. I'm sure that's not right. Still, that's that's impressive. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, just funny for him to, to even say on record, oh, yeah, Terraria is amazing. One of my favorite games. I hate the end game. I hate the moon <laughs> yeah. I hate the pillars. <laughs> so, yeah, damn. Yeah. So it's not just us. Um, anyways, great game play it there's certainly room for improvement but they keep updating it so lord only knows it might eventually start to have some of these things that we we want it to have that'd be really cool for the price the content you're getting um despite my gripes uh you know i, I there's tons of value i still had a right up until i didn't i still had a pretty great time yeah um and i would still recommend it if you haven't tried it yeah, me too cool um terraria so that's that i think I'll probably take a good long break from this game again. But again, it doesn't ever really keep pulling me back, so we'll see when when I'm back to it. Um, <laughs> the new the new Vanna deal. <laughs> the, yeah, the new Vanna deal. Yeah, good job, us. Um, <laughs> so that's it for Terraria. Do you want to get into some kind of games coming up and stuff and some news that uh, I found interesting? Let's do it. What do you got? Okay, um, something I find funny. The, do you remember the game Final Fantasy VII, the first sh- soldier? Sorry. 
It was like that so online the, shooty one. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, so they it's being taken offline after a year of service, so it's dying. All right. <laughs> uh, they have halted the sale of the premium currency, thankfully, for the game, um, even though it's still up for a couple of months. But this like impulse to Final Fantasy Seven eyes everything and to expand the Final Fantasy Seven universe, which I hate. I fucking hate this obvious cash-in like agreed obviously they cheapen the <laughs> classic awesome game yeah they, with everything they do with this ip now they seem to cheapen it um anyways so I, I find it very funny one that of course it didn't have the legs to last more than a year and and two like they just keep shooting themselves in the foot with this stuff um i, I find this it's such a funny obvious like repeatable problem we see in media a a project a, a new ip does really well and becomes a cultural phenomenon and then you know the c-suites and merchandising come in and like listen there is fucking untold money to be made here so let's get to ruining this ip shall we and they just fucking flood the zone with too much um i i credit star wars for the longest time for showing restraint here right because he released the original three movies in the 70s and early 80s and there were years between them and then that was basically it until the late 90s like 99 is when the the prequel trilogy started which is a piece of crap in my opinion but whatever that's besides the point um just some incredible restraint to yes they obviously merchandised the ever-living fuck out of star wars and they made i'm sure billions of dollars on merchandising but the the ip itself wasn't really in my opinion harmed in any way because it was just the three movies that was it that was all there was to to have a discussion about um and now we live in the modern age where i think this has gotten even worse with this you know flooding the zone with nothing but that ip and star wars is fucking everywhere now there's a million tv shows about it i just i've i've stopped giving a shit um because there's too much and it's it's so the original is so diluted now yes all this extra crap um and yeah game companies are no different when they get a hit boy do they milk that yeah yeah exactly right yeah so anyways um final fantasy 7 continues to do that of course they're releasing the next um episode in the the remake trilogy apparently i forget what it's called rebirth who cares who cares (laughs) i'll probably play it and we'll talk about it is is there a release date for that uh no i don't think so i think maybe they said late next year but i don't know i I wouldn't trust that that's going to come out anytime soon to be honest I'm, might... I'm not going to play it, but I am very curious about what's going to happen. Nice. You're going to have to play it for the pod, but that's okay. Uh... Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, so, interesting. The the company that made Subnautica, have you heard of that game? Uh, y- yes. Yes. I'm, I confuse that with Abzu all the time. Yeah, me yeah, too. For whatever reason. I think they're very different games. Um, a similar yeah. setting. But yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Subnautica, big, big game when it came out, and I think it has pretty lasting legacy, but... The company that made that game was making a game called Moonbreaker. Uh, it's like a tabletop RPG type game. Honestly, it doesn't really interest me all that much. It looks polished, but I don't know. I'm not a huge TTRPG guy. Um, hmm. But the interesting thing is that they had Brandon Sanderson write their world lore for it. And they asked him to kind of develop <clears throat> cultures. Oh, and... I've been seeing articles about oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they, they, I mean, so I think his, his involvement stops there. But their idea, I guess, is to basically use this universe that he wrote for them as kind of a a continuing space for them to develop projects from it, hmm. it, it's neat how this like this multiverse or not multiverse you know how like the the avengers movies or not the avengers sorry the marvel, marvel movies are in this like kind of continuous contiguous universe the and, cinematic universe yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and, and that seems to be taking off well sanderson's been doing that with his books since he started right with his cosmere which is where the books all technically take place in the same universe and can kind of touch on each other you can still enjoy them as separate entities but if you dive in you can really see these connections he's making really artfully and and tactfully and that's really cool and satisfying and i think we're seeing more and more of a propensity to approach projects and and stuff from this angle of like okay we're gonna have an awesome world lore like just a really good foundation and then instead of having to necessarily create from scratch every single time we want to do a new project, we use that world, and we kind of iterate on it in interesting ways. So it, it was neat to see that he wrote the the world lore for for the game, and 
I think this is kind of his first big foray into into game stuff. I know he wants to do a lot more because he's a gamer himself. So I hope someday we get to see a proper Brandon Sanderson creative-led uh, RPG of some kind. That'd be very cool. Sweet. I'd be very curious how that would turn out. Mm-hmm. Um, as for some stuff that's coming out that I'm excited about, uh, this is not what I'm excited about, but I didn't realize that the new Star Ocean comes out in a couple weeks, October 27th. Oh wow! Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I'm sure I would bet money that it's gonna be bad, like really bad, because I don't think that a lot of these legacy Japanese companies know how to make RPGs anymore. Um, but I can't wait! I can't wait for. I hope Donkey memes on it. I'd love to see a Donkey video on the new Star Ocean. Um, <laughs> I mean, having played uh, quite a bit of four, I've never tried five, but I've watched some uh, some playthroughs of it, and it looks cringy as hell. Given that they're over the last like decade plus track record of cringe writing and pretty sloppy gameplay at times, I'm not expecting much here. <laughs> yeah, no, I really expectations are at an all time low, but. I would love to be pleasantly surprised. Of course! Though. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not rooting for it to be bad. Um, it'd be great if it was good. I, I'd like. Uh, I'd like a new AAA JRPG that wasn't a piece of shit. But we'll see. Um, Watching the trailers and stuff. Uh, uh, do you know that Dumas or Dumas system, however you, you say it, that like flight system they have? Have you seen any? No, of that? I haven't. I'm not a fan personally. It's like this: you start glowing blue a bit, and you end up being able to fly, and you do like lots of aerial combat, or you can. It looks really silly to me when he's like flying around the world a little bit to get to a treasure chest or something. Okay. It seems to be like a central mechanic, and immediately I was like, "That looks kind of lame." Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's more fun than it'll appear. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have any particularly high hopes for this. I hope it proves me wrong, though. <laughs> yeah, I hope we can someday get back to the like the more contained linear with with branching paths style of rpg development like the the open world vistas and stuff well pretty and cool sometimes i think they often just hide the fact that there's not a lot there um looking at you xenoblade 3 anyways (laughs) i i just maybe maybe someday um did you see that sweet code and one and two are getting like a remaster released by konami Oh shit! No, I didn't see so, that. So I mean, they look okay, whatever. But it's the first time Konami's. It is Konami, right? I'm not making that up. I think it's Konami. Yeah. Right. Anyways, it's the first time Konami. We're saying definitively here right now, um, <laughs> is touching these IPs in like over a decade, probably longer than that. Uh, I think because maybe their gotcha profits have have dried up, <laughs> or or they saw like the success of that Ayuden Chronicles Kickstarter, right? Like. It's funny that these companies have to be reminded that their back catalog of famous RPGs is worth investing any time into. I'm I'm not (laughs) not sure why they seem to have to be reminded by these successful Kickstarters from people who've left their company. Um, But somebody who works at Konami basically tweeted saying, like, I'm so happy to see they're doing this. This is absolutely 100% their way of testing the waters to see if people uh, want a new Suikoden game. And I was of two minds about this. I was like, cool, they're giving a shit about Sweet Coden again. And then I was like, why is there always this obnoxious fucking litmus test of you need to buy this old game you've already bought a couple times again for us to feel like it's worth putting some resources into a new project? <laughs> yeah, right. It's just, I find it very annoying. Like, I don't know, just take the shot, you motherfuckers. Like, try something. I know, I know, everybody's risk-averse in corporate corporate world. TM. Well, the, the people driving these things often seem really disconnected from the fan base in general. Yeah. Um, you know, the, whoever's at the top making all the financial choices doesn't really seem to have their finger on the pulse um, for any company, really. Yeah, spe- yeah, um, especially when it comes to media, right? Yeah, and I remember this uh, story about Chrono Trigger on DS not selling as well as Square would have hoped. And I, I, if I remember correctly, there was a quote from the president or something someone high up is saying like um basically if you want more chrono trigger it'd be nice if you bought this and i'm like bitch the access the original is so accessible through wherever you've released it and if not that through emulation because if you haven't released it anywhere accessible fans will get it anyway yeah so asking them to buy this thing they've already played 
or can already play so easily is is really silly yeah exactly right and that's that's kind of how i feel about like this week on news too right it's yeah it, it's again cool they're doing it I'm, I'm like so kudos to them especially if they they do it justice and do a good job um and it's not just a, a clear fucking cash grab because as some of these remasters are like pathetically minimally different but anyways at least you know new game going to be accessible for people who maybe haven't played them before that's great maybe they'll do something new with it that'd be sweet i do again though feel like we've lost some of our better storytellers uh in the jrpg game company space so I feels like it i know I, I worry anyways we'll see so buy sweet code and one or two remaster when they come out i'm not actually sure when that is but if you want more sweet code and apparently it matters that you buy these games so go and do that um Okay, games coming out I actually am excited about. Really just two of them. Um, God of War Ragnarok comes out November 9th. I am very, very stoked about that. Um, That's on PS4 and PS5 only. I wish it was on PS5 only, but it's okay. Um, Hopefully they can do the first one justice. It's it's a new creative lead. I'm a little bit nervous about it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be at least a good game, but we'll see if it lives up to kind of my, my enjoyment of the first one. And then uh, the new Pokemon comes out November the 18th. Um, so we'll probably do a big old Pokemon podcast where I tell John about Pokemon. And he says, okay. Um, <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> it, I'm not uh, going to play it. <laughs> I, I'd say my expectations are middling for the new Pokemon. But it looks like it's going to at least be better than the last main game entry, which was uh, Sword and Shield. So What's the new What's the new throwaway gimmick? Uh, oh, oh. So I like it mechanically a lot. <laughs> I despise the implementation of it. So it's called terastalizing. Don't you, okay. don't you love that? Um, <laughs> where basically you can change the type of your Pokemon on the fly, given it has the ability to do that. So like you could make your Pikachu <laughs> a, a flying type. Um, anyways, so so lots of like that has huge implications for the combat, especially competitively. Like if you're playing against other people. Um, if, yeah, they, no if they don't know what your terrestrialization abilities are, because it, it adds in a whole new level of meta of like figuring out how to counter and stuff like that. So I'm sure for the competitive scene, it, I, I haven't honestly looked, maybe people hate it, but I, I think it's at least a breath of fresh air that way. Um, cool, again, for, for the game, like just the single player too. I think that's that's intriguing that you can mess with expectations that way. But the way that that's depicted is as this like giant goofy ass headdress looking thing that gets put on your pokemon and then they turn all crystalline and stuff like that you should look it up not right now it looks very stupid like very stupid um it sounds like a strange implementation for an otherwise very cool idea yeah yeah exactly right so anyways there is a gimmick that is it uh the other gimmick i guess or, or just design difference here is that this one really truly is open world um kind of like the arceus spinoff they had uh last year unless that was earlier this year that might have been this year anyways um so never before have they done like a true open world pokemon so curious to see how that works i'm wondering if um you have freedom of like kind of gym order as to which gym you do in which order and if they they kind of scale based on which one you choose or not or if it's still going to be fairly linear in that progression but Hmm. Yeah, there's potential. So they're doing something different. I'll give them some credit. Hopefully it it works out for them. We shall see. Yes, we'll see. Yeah. And as you said, that's that's pretty soon. Yes. When is it yeah, they, the God of War and Pokemon are both November. So about a month from November. now. November, okay. Yeah. All right, I guess we'll see. We'll chat about them when the time comes. Is there anything at all that you're looking forward to coming up, John? Uh, I haven't really been watching for anything new. Um trying to think now if there's anything i'm looking forward to i can't think of anything <laughs> are you gonna get that um that horror game that i'm forgetting the name of right now uh the dead space remake? no the uh the gross ass one where you put your fingers in gross shit oh what is that called scorn scorn yeah scorn comes out this month oh interesting think, hey, oh sorry pride. scorn comes out in two days it comes out october 14th <laughs> Okay, well, you know what? Maybe that's my Halloween game. Nice. Yeah, I was actually thinking about making that a Halloween game for myself as well. Play it on my new computer. Love a good horror game. The art direction looks crazy. Um, you know, if it's not, depending on the price, I guess, and I guess I'll check out some early early reviews and see how that goes. But yeah, I'd, I'd be down to give that a shot. Yeah, from, from what I saw of the, the gameplay that they released for people to try, 
it seemed a lot more puzzle heavy than combat heavy, which I'm certainly not opposed to. Um, I want to see how they kind of blend the two and, and if there is still like combat and that kind of thing. And anyways, so yeah, I'm definitely going to read some reviews of it, but it's on my radar. Given that like creepy world they're constructing and how important the art direction seems, I, I think that's a good decision, like to kind of slow down and have you just spend more time in that world kind of drinking. Absolutely. In. Hopefully that, that like pays off and just feels good and really rat- ratchets up that creepy atmosphere yeah if, um, if they if they approach it well it could be uh to the game's benefit for sure i, I think that's a, a good creative choice and, and a bold like a a daring creative choice courageous choice mm-hmm. because i think people are you know tend to want just more action over the top stuff so yeah yeah i guess um i watched a video on it and there seemed to be this is about a month ago there seemed to be performance issues even on a top of the line gaming pc so hopefully um they were able to address that oh, when see. this comes out it's going to be in good shape but i guess we'll see yeah my, my gaming <laughs> pc is not top of the line so hopefully yeah hopefully it runs well because if it doesn't run well then i won't i won't get it i guess anyways I'm gonna have to hold off for some patches yeah yeah we'll see but the game looks cool check out scorn if you haven't seen any any gameplay um Tr- it's trigger warning, as yeah, fuck. trigger warning for gross <laughs> so yes <laughs> so if you don't like yeah, gross, very don't, gross don't look at it um cool well i think that's about all i've got to say for today um anything else before we sign off john nope that's it cool well thanks for listening again guys it's uh it's good to be back at it we'll probably have one for you in uh, a couple weeks again soon all righty all right peace out guys thank you for listening to the branching path podcast check us out on twitter at branch path pod or just search branching path podcast check out our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash branching path podcast you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on our RSS website, which is rss.com slash branchingpathpodcast. Thanks again for listening. Take care.